Well, the Phillies offseason is well on their way now as they lost the 2022 World Series, but we're not down on it. Welcome to Phillies Talk Podcast with Rich Baxter and Matt Vesey. We're going to recap a bit of the highlights of the World Series, some of the lowlights, of course. And we're going to look for the future because we're very optimistic about the Phillies' future. Here comes the newest edition of Phillies Talk Podcast. Hope you like and subscribe to wherever you're listening from. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Phillies Talk. It's Phillies Talk Podcast coming at you live after a World Series defeat by the Philadelphia Phillies. Terrible, terrible week we had here. Rich Baxter joined with Matt Beasy. How are you, Matt? Hey, Rich. How are you? All right, all right. Uh, how good can I be? The Phillies lost the World Series, but uh, I'm still trying to keep a positive spin on it. Uh, it's like I said when they released Gene Segura. I, uh, I, I tweeted this out on my on my Phillies Bell feed at Twitter. I said, uh, "Don't be sad because it's over. Uh, be happy because it happened." You know, something like that. So. Uh, uh, you know, of course, in, me- in the immediate aftermath, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're disappointed, you know, that the Phillies did not win the World Series, but they weren't favored. You know, they were the underdogs. They gave it a shot. They had some opportunities, uh, missed some opportunities. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really hard to be, you know, as the further we get away from it, it's really hard to be, uh, to remain disappointed. Um, you know they they had a tremendous run there, and they entertained they entertained us uh, greatly there during the month of October into the early uh, parts of November. Yeah, they really did. It, it's been a, a godsend for this area, for Phillies fans, for baseball fans uh, in this area, specifically Phillies fans. But yeah, it it brought a, a new life to the sport in Philadelphia. It's been a while since the Phillies had been in the playoffs in general, let alone the World Series. 13 years since the last World Series appearance. And even though they lost, I think we gained something from it. We gained um, a national exposure to more fans. We gained to more players. You know, a lot of players are drawn to World Series teams for one reason or another. We already saw a gentleman from Japan. I don't have his name handy. But he had said he'd love to come to the Phillies. And I'm sure that there's more players out there that would like to come to the Phillies. They think there's something going on in Philadelphia. And there is. Um, $65 million coming off the books is what I read today uh, over at NBC Sports uh, Philadelphia. And uh, that's a lot of money to come off the payroll. And I lost your audio there for a second. Oh, sorry about that. The Japanese guy you're talking about is, uh, I want to make sure I get my pronunciation right. I'll probably fumble this one, but it's Masataka Yoshida. He's uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, a Nippon pro baseball star, and he's a big uh, Bryce Harper fan. So um, there's, you know, there's, that's always a possibility. You know, I, I guess a lot of it's going to come down to, is there really a match there uh, economically and position wise? He's a corner outfielder at best, maybe a first baseman DH type. And, 
you know, we're already loaded with those guys. You know, we, we don't know what's going to happen with Bryce as far as <clears throat> potential surgery, how much time he might miss. Will he be able to play defense in 2023? Uh, how much defense will he be able to play at all in right field? Uh, him being able to play right field is really an important long-term consideration for this team, but we don't really know how his uh, elbow situation, you know, we should know more in the coming days, but we don't know how that's going to affect his ability to play right field in 2023. And then you already have a guy like Kyle Schwarber, who he might be able to play some first base, but he doesn't really have a lot of experience there. Uh, he's kind of like a Greg Luzinski type left fielder, you know, or, or that's probably his best position, if not DH himself. And then you got, you still have Reese, Scott, Reese Hoskins here for now, uh, who is, you know, a defensive liability anywhere you put him. Uh, he's really a right-handed DH. So it's, you know, it's uh, to bring on another first base DH left fielder type. It just doesn't seem like a fit, you know, for the Phillies as much as he might uh, idolize Bryce Harper. So I'm not sure about that uh, that guy. But when you say things like, I, I, it's very true, I believe what you said, as far as it's important to make the postseason. It's important to, to reach the World Series, obviously. It does make you more attractive. And, and it was important just that they make the postseason to get over that that mental hurdle that it seemed like the entire organization had uh, for the last two or three years, whatever, you know, fallen short in, in the final weeks of the of the campaign when they had a had a had a legitimate shot at it uh, over the last two or three years. So it was good. It was, it was good and it was important for them to actually push into uh, October postseason baseball and then to win the series. Uh, multiple series. They won three series, you know, in the playoffs, Rich. Uh, two of them against division winners who were rated higher than them. <clears throat> and another against a, a very talented team that was at least considered on their par, on their level in the in San Diego Padres. And all three of those series uh, where they had to start out on the road. So uh, this was a, a very important, I think uh, you pointed out correctly, very important showing for them in this postseason to, to uh, be able to <clears throat> demonstrate to free agents, uh, to, to uh, other prospective uh, you know, players who might be interested in coming aboard that uh, this is a legitimate ball club that is uh, not far away. And uh, possibly that player who's thinking of coming here might be the guy that can put them over the top and specifically looking at those shortstops now that they've, uh, you know, let go of uh, chosen, you know, not to offer a contract to pick up the option on Gene Segura. Uh, there's certainly that that's a obvious signal that they're going to be shopping in that free agent market for one of them shortstops. So uh, you're right on there as far as the importance of making the world series and how that is attractive to other teams and players. Yeah. A guy like, Trey Turner, for example, that his name keeps coming up with a lot of teams, um, the Mets. Uh, I saw an article somewhere where it had each available free agent and where specific writers thought um, that specific player would go to. And there was only like one uh, big name free agent, so to speak, that one writer thought would end up with the Phillies. And um, maybe it will be a Trey Turner, but um, we were on a show last night, uh, Mitch Bernstein's program, 
uh, talking a little bit about the Phillies. He caught me off guard a little bit, and it's something I should have had a quick answer for, but he asked me a simple question. What do the Phillies need in the offseason? What's the biggest uh, glaring deficiency that you can see that the Phillies would need to fill for the offseason? And why don't you take this one? Because I'm still uh, second-guessing myself. Uh, they need a couple of things in my mind, Rich. One is I think that they need a a veteran <clears throat> starting pitcher with a, a winning history, preferably a postseason history, but not uh, they. You know, it would be nice if they got a Jacob Degrom, you know, or Clayton Kershaw. But I don't believe those things are realistic. Uh, DeGrom for financial reasons, Kershaw, because I believe he's either going to go back to L.A. or go home to play in Texas with the Rangers. So I don't believe, uh, you know, fans. So there may be some fans out there who aren't are maybe a little bit more pie in the sky and less educated about the circumstances who say, well, let's get DeGrom or Kershaw or you know, Verlander or somebody like that. I, I don't think they're going to be going that route. But uh, a starting pitcher on a, maybe a one-year deal who can come in sort of like a Kyle Gibson, but if they can find somebody who's a, maybe a tick, you know, better than a Gibson or a Syndergaard, uh, a guy like that who they can slot into the number four spot in their rotation until Andrew Painter uh, is – Andrew Painter – most evaluators and <clears throat> times that I saw him, uh, he looks like he's not that far off. Uh, he is a legitimate top of the rotation starting pitcher. He's only 19. He'll be like 20 next year. But Dombrowski has already said he's not averse to giving a guy like that a, a, a shot in the major leagues. And, you know, Painter on talent is certainly going to be the kind of guy who, who, who is uh, able to come in here and, and win a starting spot in the Phillies rotation. Now, whether that's out of spring training or whether that's, you know, by June 1st or the all-star break, uh, you know, th those would be the ideal situation. I think it'd be <clears throat> ideal if he came in and just blew people away in the spring and they didn't have any choice, but to bring him along as the number four or five starter, but <clears throat> I'd rather see them in this off season get somebody in here who can uh, fill that veteran kind of role behind Nola and Wheeler and Suarez. So I, I think that's a need. And then the other need, obviously now, if you're not going to be bringing Segura back, the obvious need is in the middle infield, uh, whether you're going to slide Stott over to second and sign one of these big short stops or the only other possibility I see is uh, I think what you're going to see them do, Rich, uh, that's a need. And the, the only thing that I think that you're going to see them do is they're going to go aggressively after one of these shortstops, whether it's Xander Bogarts or whether it is Trey Turner. Uh, and I think that they're the two most likely names. Uh, Carlos Correa would probably be third on my list there. And I think that, uh, uh, you know, that those are the three most likely guys that you'll see come here. So, um, you know, they could, if they sign Turner, he's played second base in the past. They could leave Stott at shortstop and slide Turner over to second. I, I, I think they would probably do the opposite, but they're going to need a middle infielder. The, the only other possibility there I see is they shop in that free agent shortstop market. They, 
can't make a deal with somebody, you know, uh, those guys pick somewhere else or, you know, they're not willing to make the financial commitment. And maybe Gene hangs out there as a free agent and uh, the Phillies decide to just, uh, Hey, let's, we didn't get any of the shortstops. Let's go back to Gene and go back to our old setup of, you know, bringing Gene back uh, for a couple of years at second base and leaving Stoddard short. So middle infield, especially now that Segura is, uh, has been not offered a contract, then uh, that's a need. And so is, I think the starting rotation on, on a short-term basis. Yeah. The the bullpen always needs figuring out, you know, Rich. And it, it this year started out as yet another looked like a third straight year where the bullpen was going to be their undoing, and then suddenly, uh, almost at the same time that Harper went down with his injury, the bullpen took off. Um, guys like you know Dominguez came back. Uh, Alvarado suddenly got hot. Brogdon got hot um, for three months there, the bullpen was a strength for this team. That's what we've been hoping for, waiting for, for a while. So it's hard to say, you know, that they need to decide on figure out that bullpen mix. Um, but I, I don't I see that as less of a priority. I think that the middle infield and that starting rotation, you know, adding one more veteran arm in there, those are the two priorities to me. Yeah. And I think Zach Eflin, is leaving something on the table if he feels that he's still a starting pitcher. I don't think he is anymore. I think he was most effective for the Phillies in the bullpen. Um, he's not quote unquote old yet, but I think he should rethink his, his career path as a starter. I, I really don't see him as a starter anymore. He solidified the Phillies back into the bullpen for them in the playoffs this year. And you know, that's what they need, I think, uh, one of a couple things. And you hit on a shortstop, obviously, um, or second baseman. Uh, Stott was showing a tremendous amount of uh, great play for a young player uh, towards the end of the season with the Phillies. And he um, he reminded me of a Larry Boa from – the 70s and the 80s not quite as you know feisty and fiery as Larry Boa but somebody that was reliable he got a lot of key hits for the Phillies and sparked the offense down the uh, last few months for the Phillies offense so I think he deserves to have a role in this a big role in this I think he's a future Philly star a long-term Philly at that um, but a starting pitcher, as you said, and we have uh, over in the Padres, Clevenger became available. Sean Manaya is available. Those are the kind of pitchers I think the Phillies should look for to solidify that rotation. You have the Wheeler, the Nola combo, one, two so far. Suarez, as you said, as a third. You need the stopper. I don't know if it was Syndergaard. Don't know if he's prime time enough to be that stud fourth guy or tie for third if you need them um but you have clevenger mania um and over to grom i think is over the top for the phillies i don't trust him injury wise he hasn't been reliable um for the mets the last couple years rodon is available also from the giants um whether or not he will be 
Um, a guy that's affordable, I don't know. I haven't heard um, his contract requirements, but uh, certainly should be a very interesting off season for the Phils. And uh, let's not forget the their sixth World Series loss um, of all time uh, this year. But, you know, it didn't even affect me. I was happy that the Phillies were in it. I it's not like I expected them to lose, but when it went back to Houston, I wasn't very optimistic, even though this club surprised us constantly, as you said, on the road, nothing phased them. They, they just went out there and got the job job done in St. Louis, then in uh, San Diego. It was just like no problem from them. They just sailed through this postseason like a team that was, you know, some some team that we really expected them to be at some point in the 22 season. Well, they went, uh, they were 72-92. I mean, they were they were 11-3 and three in the postseason at one point before they lost those last three games. And, uh, you know, like you said, it was a great run. You know, they, there's not a, not a lot more that you can say beyond that. You know, they uh, – I went with my brother to game three, which was uh, the game here at Citizens Bank Park where they took the two-to-one series lead. They blasted uh, a record-tying five home runs. They won seven to nothing. And they, uh, at that point, stretched their uh, perfect home record out. So uh, everything looked great at that point. And I, and I really thought that there was a good chance that they could win the next two days and uh, sweep the Astros out in four games. Uh, I apologize, five games. But uh, by sweeping here, that no-hitter of the following day by Christian Javier really reset things uh, for the Astros. And then I think that obviously then the key became game five where uh, the Phillies lost a a nail-biter. You know, it was three to two. They had opportunities. Uh, Syndergaard kept them in the game for the most part. Uh, But Verlander did finally come up up with a good outing for the Astros in that game. And – you know, it was uh, that was the that was the pivotal you know match. Uh, the Phillies only ended up, you know, with six hits in that particular game. So, uh, you know, I think that, you know, and then they went back to Houston and they had shots. You know, they're in Houston in Game Six, but uh, it almost seemed inevitable at that point that you know the Astros were ready to put it away. So. Uh, it, I really don't have a lot more to say about the World Series, Rich, other than, you know, it was a nice run. Uh, they they fought really hard. I think that they, in the end, I think that, you know, the, the better, more complete team, uh, as they were being called, won the World Series. Uh, so I, I, now I'm just interested, you know, I'm ready to move into the off season and let's do the tinkering, uh, the, the making the, you know, the handful of uh, moves that need to be made to make this team a legitimate division contender. Now uh, elevate this team from an, you know, 86, 87, 88 win team up to a 96, 97, 98 win team. Uh, and let's win this division, you know, for the first time in uh, over a decade. Yeah, and I think that that's entirely possible. Uh, the Phillies had a terrible first two months of the season. Uh, April, May, it was just 
bordering on disaster. And then we saw Joe Girardi get the boot. Uh, this could have easily been a 95-96 win team hadn't those things occurred earlier on in the season for, for whatever reason they did. But, you know, from that point where Thompson took over to the end of the season was phenomenal for the Phillies. They turned the whole season around like topsy-turvy. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a book come out about it by one of the Philly sports writers. I haven't heard anything yet, but an 87 and 75 ball club where the Phillies uh, miraculously turning that bad start around. And it was a, a phenomenal run by them. It was just um, something to really um, be thankful for. And I always thought that this team was just a, a hair away from being that 95 win team. If they could have fixed those problems earlier in the season this year, and maybe they'll do it next year, as you said, but uh Interesting stat here from the World Series. The Astros are now one in three all time in game six of the World Series. So uh, they lost it in 21 to Atlanta and in 19 to Washington to the Nationals, who, you know, both of those teams went on to win the World Series. But unfortunately, the Phillies did not. So they couldn't keep that that stat going, so to speak, um, to force that game seven. And it's almost like, you know, the feeling to me around the Philadelphia area was the one that I get around Christmas time. It's a big buildup. Everybody's happy. Everybody's holding the door for people and saying, you know, nice things to one another in the area. And then when Christmas sort of like the 26th of December hits, it's sort of like all that Christmas magic goes out the window, goes out the door and it's back to, normal business that's the way it seems to me that the phillies um season went when the world series uh was over to me it was like that christmas spirit left the area that you know the phillies world series spirit so to speak uh left but um that's just uh, uh my opinion of it but uh yeah i was thankful for it i'm looking forward for the season coming up perhaps going to spring training now that quote unquote it should be normal but uh yeah very thankful for it and uh looking optimistic for the future you uh you made a nice analogy there for me rich because i am a big baseball guy and i am a big christmas i'm a christmas guy so uh here we are you know we're just a little over a month away and i'm looking forward to christmas uh usually this time of year you know we're we're over a month away from the baseball season you know the the philly season has been over for more than a month at this point and we've been watching playoff series that didn't even involve them so we're we're not as you know intimately involved in it and i'm i'm i am now slipping into even though it's only been you know maybe uh, uh four or five days i'm slipping into postseason mode I'm ready to start looking at uh, prospect rankings. Uh, the general manager meetings were going on the last couple of days uh, in baseball. The winter meetings are coming up a month from now. Uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, free agency. While uh, teams were allowed to start talking to free agents on Sunday, this past Sunday, 
they weren't allowed to <clears throat> offer contract details and they weren't allowed to sign anybody until uh, I believe either tomorrow, uh, Thursday or Friday of this week. So uh, I'm looking forward to all the usual hot stove stuff now. You know, the prospect rankings, the, the, the deals at the winter meetings and uh, otherwise during the uh, winter. And uh, and then, you know, the holiday, you know, the holidays come Thanksgiving, Christmas. And then and then the calendar turns here in Philly. You know, we got the Mummers Parade. There's a lot going on there. So when the calendar turns to January for me, uh, I that, that month of January is really kind of a. I won't say it's a, a down month at all, but it's kind of like that's my reset month. You know, I kind of, you know, start to start to look ahead, you know, to, as you mentioned, spring training. Uh, at that point, spring training is like a, a four to six weeks away. So January is more of a TV month for me. You know, I'll catch up on some TV and uh, maybe see what the Flyers and Sixers are doing, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I'm ready to get into the my offseason stuff. It, it was a... It was a tremendously entertaining, exciting, fun, you know, run, but it's over, you know, and it's, it's time to start looking to the future. You know, we, you, you can, you can only look back, you know, for so long and, and we'll have a lot of you know, great memories from this, you know, from now going forward, uh, there will be reunions, you know, we'll, we'll welcome Gene Segura back, uh, you know, 10 years from now for a 10 year reunion of the national league championship team. So, you know, uh, uh, th those days will come, uh, but right now I'm interested in, uh, let's see what's going on for 2023 and beyond for these Phillies. Absolutely. I think the uh, future is bright for this team. Um, just going up to the phillies.com uh, website here real quick. I just wanted to bring this up on the screen. Maybe we can talk about this for just a minute here. It's uh Three pressing issues by Todd Zalecki for the Phillies this offseason. He's uh, bringing up the fact that uh, Bryce Harper said um, after the World Series, this is going to be the same team next year with a couple more pieces, I would imagine. Uh, that's what Harper said. And he also um, has a quote here. John Middleton understands what we need to win. He wants to win right now. And um also said uh, Harper, I'd imagine that we're going to be the same team, but with some more pieces that'll make us much better. And that's what we were just talking about. The Phillies uh, exercised Aaron Nola's $16 million club option for 2023. That's a big number for Aaron Nola, even though he's been great for the Phillies. Um, starting pitchers get that kind of money these days. And, uh, He's going to get it next year. So finally, his career is, is taking off. As you mentioned, Bryce Harper's elbow, is that going to be solved for uh, the next season? And it worked out pretty good for the Phillies because he actually uh, gave a spot to um, Nick Castellanos. Didn't actually pan out like some people were thinking he would, but maybe he'll become more comfortable in the Philadelphia area uh, next year and uh, work on that a little bit. And it would be, it would be something to have all these guys firing at the same time. And we talked about that during the season, Harper firing, like we know he can and did Castellanos picking it up, Schwarber picking it up. It's, it's like a juggernaut of offense, this club. And we saw that during the playoffs, some, some games, and we saw it during the season a couple of times, but 
You know, this is a team that's built to win. Yeah, I don't think, uh, you know, Castellanos, I don't think it's a question of, you know, and I don't think there's anything much you can do about it. You said, you know, maybe you can do a better job of being comfortable here in Philadelphia. I don't think it has anything to do with being comfortable in Philadelphia. I think it just has to do with the, he had a terrible approach, you know, here offensively. I don't think it has to do with Philadelphia at all. Uh, this is a question of, of, yeah, I don't think he's nervous. I really don't think it has anything to do with, I, I think if you asked him, he certainly would say that, you know, nothing to do with nervousness. And yeah. I just think he just had a bad year, Rich. I don't think it was nervousness. It might've been, uh, you know, some people uh, adapt to their playing environment, to their clubhouse, uh, to the, to the team, to, you know, everything, you know, their, their, how does their family, uh, adapt, but as a professional ball player, I don't think, uh, Philadelphia was a problem at all for Nick Castellanos. I think the problem with Nick Castellanos was Nick Castellanos. Uh, I think that, uh, if he can get to work with Kevin Long and, uh, I'm sure, you know, I'm not a professional hitting coach, so I can't even begin to tell you what his, what his uh, problems were. I mean, his swing seemed long at times. It seemed like he, uh, you know, was just terrible pitch selection as far as what he was swinging at. Um, but you know, why were those things happening? You know, Kevin Long, I have faith in him. You know, he's, he's kind of a guru. He's kind of like a modern day Charlie Manuel as far as hitting coaches go. So, uh, I think they'll get him straightened out. Um, so, uh, Castellanos is a, is a big piece, you know, for 2023. We need him to be more of the 25 homer, you know, 90 RBI, you know, 280 hitter that he's been uh, in a number of years in the past, especially the last few years before he came here to Philly. So, um, I, you know, I, I have belief in a guy. I, I, one of my, you know, favorite sayings, and I use it all the time about baseballs, I believe in the back of a guy's baseball card. So when I look at the back of Nick, Nick Castellanos' baseball card before this season, you know, I believe that those are his numbers. And I, I think that this will be an anomaly. Um, Nola, uh, you know, he certainly deserves that contract. He probably deserves a little bit more uh, as far as his standing among Major League Baseball pitchers. He takes a, a lot of grief from a certain segment of the uh, Philadelphia social media crowd, but the fact of the matter is that Aaron Nola is one of the top 2025 pitchers in major league baseball. And he's entering, he's entering, he's in the early years of his prime. Uh, he'll be a free agent after next season. This is a guy who the Phillies must extend for the long term. Uh, when you're talking about uh, financial expenditures that this team has coming out, coming up, you have to extend Aaron Nola. Uh, he's got to get like a four or five year deal if you can get him on that. And uh, the, the, one of the biggest reasons, Rich, is, you know, you, we're talking about what do they need to add to their pitching rotation, you know, to make it better. Well, you, you can't add by subtracting, you know, one of the top 20, 25 pitchers in the game. So it may be a question of how much he's looking for. You know, does he really want to be here himself? Does he want to be here uh, long term? Uh, does he want to take a shot of free agency and go somewhere else? Um, those are all factors. But from from the Phillies perspective, I'm looking to tie him up long term, and I'm not looking to wait until next year to do it. Uh, that that would be one of the things I'm looking to get done this winter if I'm Dave Dombrowski. Uh, besides that, uh, like, like you said, you know, you talked about Trey Turner and all you're looking at the, the middle infield 
they came out, you said, uh, you know, something about the future, you know, uh, you know, look into the future as far as uh, down the road. And they, they came out today, Baseball America did, a very respected uh, resource with their updated Philadelphia Phillies top 10 prospects list. And the top three prospects right now with the Phillies are all legitimate pitching arm uh you know, top of the rotation, two of them, uh, big league type guys, all three of them have big arms. And we're talking about Andrew Painter, who we already mentioned, uh, Mick Abel and Griff McGarry. All these are the top three pitching prospects. And the Phillies are going to be developing all three of them, including McGarry as starting pitchers for now. The timeline from most scouts and most pro, uh, projectors is that Painter could be ready. Uh, he'll be ready at some point next year. Uh, just a question of whether the team wants to push him to the big leagues at age 20. McAbel uh, might take a little bit more developing, but in the long run, he might be an even better arm than Painter. Uh, these are two legitimate, you know, one, two starters for the future for the Phillies as we move through the 2020s. And then McGarry might have a bigger arm than either Painter or Abel. Uh, he's a guy that can deal it up to the triple digits, but it's a question of his role now. You know, they're developing as a starter. His secondary stuff has come along really well. He's His command and control seems to have gotten better this year, especially in the second half of the year. And McGarry looks like a guy who has a real shot at being a, a, another a rotation piece. So, you know, ultimately they might not have to spend a lot of money in free agency on pitching. Uh, you, you consider that you have Ranger Suarez for a few years to come for, he can be eligible for a free agency. So, uh, you know, by the time Wheeler, uh, deal runs out, you should have Painter, Abel and McGarry, you know, all ready to, to roll here. Uh, and if McGarry ends up being a back end bullpen piece at some point, uh, lights out one, then, then so be it. But, uh, I'm lo really looking forward to these three because uh, the organization really is not deep uh, with prospect talent. They're still probably in the bottom third of major league baseball, as far as overall organizational minor league talent. Uh, they do have two or three outfielders, you know, who may have a shot to, <clears throat> to impact the big club, uh, but they are a few, each of them is a few years away. Uh, they, they have a, a young second base prospect, how you Lee, who has a chance to, you know, be an offensive, you know, second baseman a couple of years down the road, but these guys are young. The, the, the position players are young and they're a few years off. It's these pitchers, uh, Painter, Abel and Griff McGarry, who really have a chance to Phillies fans. If you, they don't know them already. They ought to look into them. Uh, they ought to get to know these names. These are guys who you're going to see at Citizens Bank Park. Uh, uh, my bet would be that you'll see Painter next year. You'll see McGarry next year. And there's a chance we might even see Abel at the end of the year, you know, come September, although they may push him back a year uh, rather than have three pitchers all coming along, you know, the same contractual timeline. So, I'm excited about these arms. Uh, pray that they stay healthy, you know, and that they uh, uh, that they turn out to be everything that they look like they are right now. But I think that that'll help save the team some money in the long run. And if they can get, you know, and the extension with NOLA that I think that they need, then you'll have NOLA, 
and Suarez going out for years to come, you know, the next three or four years. And then these young guys can come along behind them. So that when Wheeler's deal runs out in a couple of years, when he's reaching his mid thirties, uh, you can, you may be able to just, you know, let them, let them move along. So we'll, you know, we'll see what happens, uh, but that's, you know, long-term thinking, but we, you know, we do want to talk about the future and long-term a little bit too, because it's, it's exciting in that regard. Yes, indeed. Well, check Matt's workout on the internet. You can find him at Phillies Bell on Twitter. That's his main spot there. And um, mine is at Fighting Phillies, of course, um, on Twitter. And FightingPhillies.com is the home of uh, this podcast, Phillies Talk Podcast. And I want to invite you all out to BaseballTalkRadio.com. The 24-hour, seven-day-a-week feed is up. So all off season, you're going to get a 24 hour radio feed of the best podcast that I can find in baseball. And maybe I'll keep looking as well, but uh, my show here, Gary Mack has a great Mets show, uh, Subway to Shea, um, Ed Casputis over at Baseball PhD just got married. Sorry, Ed, you just got married. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, by the way. Uh, great talk show there so check it out baseballtalkradio.com and matt looking forward for the future we'll be with the folks all off season talking phillies baseball and i as usual i can't wait to to get talking about that even we did a little bit of it today rich and uh you know like i said this free agent market's going to open up uh at the end of this week and uh, things will start rolling from there it's going to be all rumors you know at first i doubt anybody signs on day one but uh, there are going to be some hot and heavy rumors with the Phillies as we move through November. Yeah, we'll see if Dave Dombrowski can uh, do it again, add another piece to the puzzle. As you said, that uh, one little piece is going to put us over the edge for 2023. So uh, glad you stopped by this show. Hit like and subscribe wherever you listen to this show from, and we appreciate you listening. Have a great day and take care, everyone.